Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Today, we are talking on a rather serious health problem that more than 10,000 people in Minnesota are suffering from, and as many as 12 million people nationwide. These people are considered long haulers after having COVID-19. So today we will be offering some insights into the effectiveness of nutrition, your food choices, on managing these inflammatory symptoms and why and how nutrition can help heal the damage done by the COVID-19 virus. We believe we have new information for you and that you will understand how this complex healing process is for most people. Healing from COVID-19 takes more than a pill. And after this show, you may decide it is time to change what you have on your plate. That's what we're hoping. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, as dietitians and nutritionists, we believe eating real food is a stronger and better plan for healing than any pill that has been developed. In the future, there may be a prescription that manages these symptoms, but currently there isn't a pill that takes care of all of it. At this point in time, the best treatment plan is to carefully eat high nutrient foods to help that healing process. Before we go any further, I am Teresa Wagner and I am a registered and licensed dietitian and I have had COVID so I can speak from both a professional and a personal level with this illness. In fact, my whole family had COVID back in November. It was kind of... Kind of a mess. We we were imagine (laughs) we were not a good quarantining family as far as it was. My daughter got it three days later. My husband got it three days later. I did the next three days later. My next daughter, and then lastly my son. So we had an entire month of of quarantining with COVID. It was yeah. It was not. It was not. That's a lot. I've heard families who have been more successful at not infecting the whole family with the illness, mm-hmm. but apparently we just missed the memo on a <laughs> <laughs> <out of> quarantine. <laughs> oh, I am Brittany Vincent, and I am also a registered and licensed dietitian. I also had COVID-19 um, just a couple weeks before I delivered my my twin girls. So we we both have had COVID personally, and we've both professionally seen clients who are having this, these lasting effects. Yes, we have. And, and questions many of the clients asked it, ask is, you know, how common is it to have symptoms for weeks and months after I no longer have the virus? I've had some clients ask, who's at the highest risk for becoming a long hauler? Was it somebody that has had a severe case of COVID and was hospitalized Or is it someone who had a light case? Well, to answer these questions, we looked up some research studies and found a study from the University of Washington that reported that one in four COVID-19 patients develop long-haul symptoms that can last for months. Wow, that's a lot. It is a lot. And as we look deeper into more recent studies, we found four additional studies reporting that one in three patients experience symptoms. So that's about one third of COVID-19 patients that had one or more symptom after they were free of the virus. 
you know, and like I said earlier is, you know, in these studies, we found that 10,000 people in Minnesota are experiencing symptoms after recovering from COVID-19. So there are 10,000 Minnesotans that are long haulers. And I would say, you know, even with that, maybe that's not even a, um, you know, maybe, maybe there are more just because yes. not everybody who had COVID, um, has gone to the doctor Absolutely. and told them about long haul symptoms. So, so perhaps there's even more people who are suffering from some of these symptoms than, than we know about. I think, I think you're probably absolutely right. Yeah. And, and a lot of people maybe haven't made that connection either. Right. Because some of the symptoms are a little strange. We're going to talk about that. Yes. Um, so it, yeah. And, you know, the next question we get is, who gets long hauler symptoms? Is it people who are hospitalized or people like me or Teresa who had a mild case of COVID-19? So it, it really surprised me to learn that Teresa and I were at the same risk as those who had severe cases of COVID-19. If you had COVID-19, whether you were hospitalized with a severe case or a mild case or even an asymptomatic case, you may still be at risk for experiencing these long haul COVID symptoms. Yeah, isn't that wild? Because wouldn't is. you just expect it's, that, yeah. you know, I mean, for you and I, I mean, it's a part of our job is is actually bleeds into our personal mm -hmm. life, right? I mean, we practice what we preach. And, yep. you know, I, before I had COVID, I was all, you know, if I get COVID, I'm sure it's not going to be a big deal. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to get it on purpose, of course, yeah. you know, and I certainly in the back of my mind always wondered how, you know, how it would manifest itself. Yeah. Um, but I was one of those people who had some long haul symptoms. So I think um, it's really interesting how, even if you take really good care of yourself, mm -hmm. how, or if you had just had a mild symptoms yeah. that it can still, it can still manifest into long haul symptoms. You know, researchers also found that two health problems, diabetes and obesity, increase the risk of hospitalizations for COVID. But these health conditions did not increase the risk of ending up with long hauler symptoms. The research found that 32.7% of COVID outpatients, you know, so outpatients are people who um, didn't have to go to the hospital mm -hmm. for their, for the COVID. So they had less severe symptoms. So 32.7% of COVID outpatients developed long hauler symptoms. And 31.3% of patients hospitalized became long haulers. So that's only a difference of 1.4% between the two groups of people, between the outpatient versus inpatient. Hmm. That's, I mean, it's barely a difference. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, stats isn't my yeah. strong yes. suit, but I don't think that that's statistically significant. I don't think so. No, no. no. And yeah, there are many questions concerning the long hauler symptoms. What are the most common ones? What are some of the unusual ones? And, you know, obviously we're still trying to figure all of this out. Right. Well, one common symptom many long haulers complain of is shortness of breath. Some have joint pain and others have chest pain. And I think some of this makes sense too. I mean, at least with the chest pain and the mm -hmm. uh, shortness of breath because of the nature of COVID yes. and its effect on the lungs, especially those who had COVID with a lower respiratory tract infection. You know, the, the people who had COVID and it really affected their 
lungs and the lower airways of their body, of the respiratory system. You know, as far as joint pain, though, yeah, like that's a little bit more of a mystery. Why would the virus affect the joints? Yes, that is mysterious. I mean, in, that was actually one of my main, probably my main symptom was like joint pain while I had COVID. Interesting. That achiness yeah. in my hips. Um, yeah. I wonder too, because you were pregnant and you yes. were very pregnant at the time because of those, the hip joints have mm-hmm. to um, relax so much. Yes. That I wonder if that's why they were so susceptible to that inflammation that COVID would cause. That's- yeah. I mean, frankly, had I not lost my sense of taste and smell, I probably would have just thought it's because I was pregnant <laughs> and that's why I was so achy. Yeah. Because everything is a is a pregnancy symptom, yeah, right? isn't it? <laughs> Uh, it, but you know, some of the other symptoms that long haulers can have headaches, dizziness, brain fog, um, other neurological symptoms. And again, that doesn't connect as much as like you said, the shortness of breath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I was talking about some digestive issues. Well, another family member of mine who had a very light case of COVID, has really struggled with digestive and intestinal problems too. A lot of constipation. In fact, it's taken months, almost four months actually. So um, I would say that she's mostly over it now, but it took about four months for um, for us to get it straightened out. Um, and it's not even totally fixed yet. So it's there. There's this long lasting um, issues that you can have with with digestive issues. Um, some clients actually have ongoing diarrhea. Um, some long haulers lose their desire to eat. Like Brittany had said, some lose their taste of smell mm-hmm. or food starts to smell yeah, different, the yes. perception of what food smells like. And some people, I mean, they even lose their hair. So it's time for our first break. Um, and we'll get back to talking about symptoms of, of long haul COVID when we come back. But you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Today, we are sharing our insights about the importance of eating real whole foods to help with recovery from long hauler symptoms after having COVID-19. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. During the pandemic, many people found themselves pulling through fast food lanes, stocking up on prepackaged foods, processed foods, or doing the pizza night takeout several times a week. I mean, let's be real, DoorDash. And Bite Squad and all of those makes things pretty darn easy. Yeah, yeah. And easy habits to maintain now, now that we don't need it as much. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. So, yes, these past two years have been stressful. There is no doubt about it. And most people have gained weight. They're feeling anxious, depressed, and have no idea what dress will fit if they have to dress up. And how can you get your eating under control? Well, let me suggest signing up for Nutrition for Weight Loss classes starting in April. Call us at 651-699-3438 to discuss times and locations, or you can register online at weightandwellness.com. And I think we'll have both in-person and online options mm-hmm. for that one, or Zoom, I should say, options. The online option is always there. Yes, so it is. You can always sign up for the online course and just take it whenever whenever it fits in your schedule. Of course, with Zoom, it's more scheduled and yep. 
in person even more so. So yeah, and it's a twelve week class. Um, if you get two one hour appointments with a nutritionist, which I think is so valuable. I think so too, because you can take that information and really tailor it to that person. Yeah. Yeah. So we will create an individualized plan just for you Mm -hmm. to to get you feeling better again. So before the break, we were talking about all the different symptoms that you could have with as being a long hauler. And um, you were talking about hair loss and you know, changes in smell and all sorts of things. I just had a client last week and she's two to three months um, post having COVID and her hair is really starting to fall out. And I guess that's the common time frame, two to three years. And she had a mild case of it. So I was looking things up after the fact and it is a common so two to three Comments, months. It's two starts, to three months. Yeah. yeah starts after falling. having it. Yeah. How interesting. I wonder, maybe some of our our people out there that um, do hair, you know, that yeah. they know the life cycle of hair would have an, oh, a, yeah. you know, an understanding question. of why it would be yeah. at that time frame. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that would be a symptom having it occur so long after having COVID. I'm sure most people don't think oh, this is probably from having COVID. And right. you're doing some research about it. Yeah. You know, and some other symptoms could be um, fever, continuing to have some fevers, fatigue, muscle pain. Yeah. While other long cover, long haulers, mm-hmm. <laughs> for some reason that's not rolling <laughs> off my tongue, struggle they may struggle with some symptoms that are a little bit different where it's more like depression and anxiety. Tens of thousands of people in the U.S. have lingering illness following COVID-19. And as a nutritionist, you know, I see all of these symptoms as symptoms of inflammation. And as nutritionists, we also understand that most autoimmune diseases are diseases of of inflammation. Yeah. You know, a lot of experts believe that it is an autoimmune type reaction that's happening in your body um, that's causing these long hauler symptoms. Yeah. And autoimmune just means basically you attacking you, your your immune system attacking your healthy body tissue, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It has been reported that some people are so desperate that they are turning to unproven treatments that may not work or on the flip side may actually make the inflammatory conditions worse. We know there is no risk when people eat real food, when they eat grass-fed meats, organic vegetables, and natural beneficial fats several times a day. These solutions are risk-free. This healing diet has been shown to effectively reduce inflammation for a variety of autoimmune conditions. An anti-inflammatory diet has helped many clients with multiple sclerosis or rheumatoid arthritis or fibromyalgia or even clients with thyroid Hashimoto's. An anti-inflammatory eating plan usually helps any condition of inflammation. And I have to say, like with with my child, that we, when things were getting really bad, we did switch mm-hmm. to 
an a very anti-inflammatory eating plan. It was it was pretty what I would say selective versus restrictive. <laughs> um, it was lots of foods that she liked, but it was it was eliminating some of the foods that she she likes just for a time. And yeah. because her you know constipation can be painful. Oh yes. Um, the motivation was there for her even at her young age, and so we found that there was. A, a significant improvement when we made those changes. And when, you know, when things started to slip as they do with time and especially mm -hmm. with kids mm -hmm. is that we could see how it would come back, how, mm. how things would become more difficult again, um, eating some of those inflammatory foods. And, and the ones that we found to be the most inflammatory for this for her was um, gluten containing foods. So breads, and a lot of this, a lot of the school lunch foods, I yeah. think, were, like were contributors because you know they tend to be um, gluten and dairy heavy yeah. type foods. So, um, so we just really started to see things come back as as she was starting to eat a more liberal diet. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, we continue to work on it, and and things are starting to normalize now. But you can really see a difference—the difference that diet makes. Um, so, so it's just, it isn't just us saying this. I mean, we really do experience this oh, in our own personal, sure. personal experiences. An anti-inflammatory eating plan, uh, like I said, it usually helps any sort of inflammatory mm -hmm. condition. COVID-19 is a disease of inflammation. Research studies advise COVID patients to seek treatment for their long haul symptoms. We believe it should start with what a client is putting in his or her mouth or on their plate, you know, we recommend a food first approach to reduce inflammation, which would allow the immune system to work well again. So let's talk about some simple food first approach to lowering inflammation. You know, I think first and foremost, sugar. <laughs> uh, sugar is so inflammatory and Yes, it may sound daunting for you to give up sugar, but with our help, I promise it's possible. Clients who are experiencing anxiety find that it helps to reduce overall anxiety, and then it's easier for them to stay off sugar. You know, less sugar and processed carbs equals less anxiety. And you know, the typical American diet is so high in sugar, processed carbs, damaged refined oils, and really is a very inflammatory diet and an anxiety-producing pro diet for many people. Yes. And if the idea of giving up sugar sounds difficult for you, you, know, you are not alone. I can think of several of my clients where it took months to finally mm -hmm. let go of sugar so if you need to do it step by step and take it, do it over time, that is certainly a way that you could do it. Um, other people prefer to go cold turkey. Yep. So we'll talk about that a little bit as we come back. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. In the past, the only reason many talked about nutrition was about what they needed to eliminate to lose weight. Losing weight was a good use of nutrition, but we know that nutrition is also critical for healing from COVID-19. It is also critical to manage menopausal symptoms, and it is so important for maintaining strong bones and avoiding osteoporosis. It is a key factor in maintaining good mental health, moods, and memory. 
Using nutrition to manage health problems is our profession and truly our personal joy. We are now accepting appointments and can get you started on a healing plan. Call us at 651-699-3438 and make use of our expertise. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. We have been talking about how an anti-inflammatory diet can improve long hauler symptoms. So I was thinking, why don't we share some ideas? What does an anti-inflammatory diet actually look like? So my plan for the weekend, some batch cooking. Um, and frankly, I keep things very simple nowadays. <laughs> uh, it's a good plan when you have three little kids at home. Yeah, yeah. And so my plan is I am going to throw a bunch of chicken breasts in the crock pot with some chicken broth. And you just cook it on low for like seven hours and it shreds up. And then you can do various things with it. So I'm going to make a chicken salad. Um, and then I'm going to do like a Mediterranean bowl with cauliflower rice and Kalamata olives and cucumber, tomato, and um, some like uh, dairy-free tzatziki sauce. Oh, yum. Yeah. And then I was also going to do, instead of an egg bake, make egg muffins. Because if you have, um, like right now, my girls are starting to eat solids. So things that they can eat are a little different than the rest of us. So that allows me to individualize the little muffins easier. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And again, none of this will take much time at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you no, know, you could even use some of that shredded chicken to make um, like tacos. Absolutely. Or something like that. Oh, yeah. That I was going to so. throw some in the freezer too, just to have on hand. Yeah. That's my go-to way to make chicken just because it's so easy. Dump yeah. it in and press on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's anti-inflammatory too, because it's, you know, it's just real food, right? Exactly. It's just, you know, it's, it's real proteins coming from, you know, animals, mm -hmm. maybe they're pasture raised. Yep, they are. And, you know, so as Jolene likes to say, our yeah. nutritionist on staff, she likes to say, we are what our food eats. Yeah. Is that what she, is that how she says it? Is that how she phrases it? We I are think so. <laughs> something along that line. So basically, you know, you're getting the nutrients that the chickens mm -hmm. that you're eating got. And so yeah. if they're out free range pecking and, you know, eating bugs and along with some of the grains that they eat, that they get a a, a varied diet. And then you get the benefit of all those nutrients that the, the chickens were eating. So yeah. yeah. Anti-inflammatory proteins. And then all those veggies that you had mm -hmm. talked about in that Greek bowl or Mediterranean yep. bowl. Yeah. <laughs> it could, I just made up a name. It could be whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of people do not make that connection. What's the animal eating and how does that then affect me as I'm eating that food? But we really do need to think of that big picture because, you know, a conventionally raised beef is more inflammatory than grass-fed beef is. Yeah, right. So when we're talking about inflammation. for, So, yeah, we, we do need to think of the big picture about that. And, you know, before break, we were talking about sugar as Which, a good first place to start when you're trying to reduce your inflammation. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And just how difficult it is to give it up. You know, a lot of times when when we're talking about anti-inflammatory diets, the first step we talk about Mm -hmm. is giving up sugar. And that can be really difficult. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, depending on the person's personality, because there is no right way to do it. um, Depending on the person's personality, sometimes you want to just go step by step. How can we eliminate it in the in the first part of the day? Yep. Or at the end of the day, wherever you want to start and then work through the day and see what kind of substitutions we can make. Because we're never really about total elimination. It's usually Mm -hmm. what can we replace this with so that it doesn't doesn't hurt so bad. (laughs) You know, another way to think about it is do a little experiment. Try Mm -hmm. eliminating sugar for three weeks and putting a time frame on it and in your mind, knowing it's not a forever thing helps people like, okay, I can handle three weeks. And then when you feel so much better, it's easier to continue to to avoid it or limit it. And then also your cravings by that time will go away. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, what one of my clients experienced after that experiment where she gave up sugar for three weeks and her headaches went away. Her sleep was better and she wasn't waking up throughout the night. Um, She could breathe better. So then she could walk further when she was going out for walks. She just had more energy, less fatigue. So it really can go beyond what you would maybe even just expect, you know, to think that you would breathe better because you're not eating as much sugar is just not a concept we think about very much. Well, Everything's relative, right? We don't necessarily realize how poorly we do feel until we feel so much better. Yes, good point. So I, I, I definitely hear that from clients when they eliminate sugar, whatever it is, gluten, dairy. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize like how tired I actually was or how achy I truly was now that I am feeling so much better. Mm-hmm. And that's huge motivation to continue yes. with it. So once you get to that three-week three, three week mark and you're like, well, I'm going to celebrate with some sugar. And then all of a sudden your joints hurt or you're not breathing as well. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, oh, okay. And then you have some information to make some decisions. You yep. can say, is it worth it yep. or is it not? And then, um, the you know, maybe as you continue on with this, it becomes less and less worth it because you're like, nah, I just like the way I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. It's all about choices. So let's get a little more technical to help you understand, you know, how nutrition helps reduce inflammation and provide energy to your cells. The many articles and blogs about the healing of long haul symptoms, they discuss nutrients necessary to support the functioning of the mitochondria. For many of you, this probably brings you back to high school science class. <laughs> Mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, yeah. right? <laughs> we all memorize that, the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> so when we eat the correct foods, we take the energy from the food. Yes, food has energy. And that cell can use that energy for its own energy. And the mitochondria, I mean, like Teresa said, the powerhouse of our cells, they're vital to our survival. They generate ATP or the energy of the cell. And when we think of the mitochondria, I mean, just simply think about energy. 
but the mitochondria can get sick and the disease of the mitochondria can introduce muscle weakness, problems with vision or hearing, gastrointestinal symptoms, neurological issues, chronic fatigue, um, autoimmune disorders, the list can go on and on. Yes. And how do you keep your mitochondria alive and well? What nutrients does it need to stay healthy? Remember, like we've been saying, the mitochondria is the energy of your cell, which needs fuel and nutrients to run well. A few of those nutrients are vitamin D, and we can get vitamin D from the sun during the sun, well, at least in Minnesota, <laughs> we can mm-hmm. get it from the sun in the summer. Um, or you can get vitamin D from taking supplements. We often recommend people take vitamin D supplements yes. most of the year. Um, you can get vitamin D by taking cod liver oil. I know that most of that maybe brings up some childhood memories for <laughs> some of you. It tastes better now. They have they have figured out a way to make cod liver oil not taste so cod Careful. livery. Yeah. <laughs> Now it tastes a little bit, a lot of the ones that we, that we have, you know, had recently are more lemon flavored. Yes. Um, You can also get some vitamin D from organic egg yolks. So if the chicken has been exposed Mm -hmm. to the sun, then they will manufacture vitamin D in their body and that will go into the eggs. The mitochondria also needs vitamin B12, which we make in our intestinal tract from an intestinal bacteria called bifidobacteria and from from meat. To function, the mitochondria needs magnesium, copper, zinc, and selenium, which are nutrients we can get from foods like meat and nuts. And of course, we always tell people to check the the types of nuts that you're eating Mm -hmm. for the ingredients and either buy them raw or buy them dry roasted so that they are, um, so you can get the maximum benefit from those those particular foods. These, these foods that are rich in those minerals and the B vitamins support your mitochondria and give your cell energy. It's important to get all of these key nutrients um, for that health, and we can get those nutrients from eating real food real grass-fed or pasture-raised meats, real organic vegetables, and real natural beneficial fats. A diet of pancakes, pizza, pasta, pies, on the other hand, this does not support the energy of the cell. It actually might be your source of fatigue. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have an autoimmune inflammatory condition in your body, or you're a long hauler from COVID, we recommend that you avoid sugar, gluten grains, and those damaged refined oils, which would be like soybean oil, canola, corn oil, cottonseed, cottonseed, um, vegetable oil. Yeah, vegetable oil and seed oils in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Of course, sugar and processed carbs, those increase inflammation, as we've been talking about, which can result in more pain in your muscles, joints. It can also inflate your lungs, resulting in more coughing and breathing problems. And the American diet of sugar and processed gluten grains and refined damaged oils often leads to fatigue, brain fog, anxiety. So to heal from COVID-19 long-term symptoms, 
It is so important to eat quality protein, organic, organic vegetables, natural beneficial fats to supply the necessary nutrients to your mitochondria, your cell energy. And, you know, we talked about gluten. You talked about it. That was one thing that your daughter eliminated. Mm-hmm. And gluten can be very inflammatory. So when you already have this inflammation, it just exacerbates the inflammation, making everything even worse. Right. So if you have an inflammatory state and you eat something inflammatory, increases the inflammation. Whereas before, maybe the gluten was still having an inflammatory effect, Mm -hmm. but maybe it was much more mild or unnoticeable. And so, yeah, it really can exacerbate exacerbate that. And dairy too. You had mentioned Mm -hmm. that earlier in the show. Um, And so really dairy-free, gluten-free can make a huge impact like it did for your daughter. I just had um, a client this week and she is gluten-free, but she it was her birthday. So she decided to indulge Mm -hmm. and she had such severe knee pain for like three or four days afterwards. And I'm not doing that again. It was not worth the enjoyment of those pancakes for, you know, 15 minutes of eating that. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's and it gets to the point where it's, well, if I'm going to indulge, maybe I'll indulge in a different way that doesn't create that. I mean, it might still be, you know, a little bit inflammatory, but not to the same degree, you know. Well, it's time for our final break. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Are you struggling with long haul symptoms after having COVID-19? Maybe the fatigue is just wearing you down or you have episodes of anxiety during the day or your memory is not as sharp after having COVID. We understand and practice anti-inflammatory nutrition. And in just a few weeks following a real food plan, you can feel better. Call us and let's talk and figure out the best time for an appointment. Call 651-699-3438 and we'll get an appointment set up for you. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. During the pandemic, we offered Nutrition for Weight Loss classes virtually through Zoom. They were very popular. People lost weight, changed their eating habits. So we decided virtual Nutrition for Weight Loss worked for many people. So we're going to offer them again starting April 11th and 13th. So it doesn't matter where you live. You can now take classes with us from anywhere. And it's so convenient. So, so convenient. So go online at weightandwellness.com to sign up or talk to a real person uh, by calling 651-699-3438. So we've been, you know, we've been talking about eating anti-inflammatory to help long haulers symptoms. So I thought I would share uh, a success story. Good. So one of my friends, um, she has had migraines for, I think, many years, but she's figured out her triggers. So she rarely gets them now. And she had COVID um, maybe about a month ago. And then she started to get multiple migraines a week and some other neurological symptoms, some tingling around the mouth, um, vision changes, Oh, no. Yeah. So, and she has children, hard to function. 
And she already eats gluten-free, dairy-free, but she really cleans things up, focusing on high-protein meals, lots of veggies, lots of healthy fats. And it really did make a big impact on um, reducing the, the migraines. This week, I talked to her and she hasn't had one this week. Oh, that's fantastic. So yeah. it was for her, she noticed a difference pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Some people, that's not going to be the case though. Right. You, know, mm-hmm. you, you have to go into it knowing your body for some individuals takes a long time to heal. So give it time. It's not always an immediate, immediate improvement. Right. And I think that that's just sort of culturally how we've been yeah. um, conditioned. You know, we, we, we want things to work like an aspirin. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have, you have a, a, a headache and you take an aspirin and it goes away. And, or hopefully, like that's the idea. But with nutrition and, um, and, and doing a more natural approach to some of these types of healing protocols, it can take time. You know, your yeah. body has to heal. And so you may have to give it several weeks, several months for it to to really um, notice the difference. So sometimes that's why we tell people to journal some of it, you know, especially yes. right away in the beginning, write down your major symptoms. Because when things go right, we don't really notice that, it's you true. know, it's, yep. I remember I had a client once whose toe was just bothering her so much. And then when she came in for a follow-up appointment, I had asked her, well, how's your toe? And I just, she pulled it, she had a shoe that she could just flip her foot out of and she just pulled it out and she kind of wiggled it around and she's like, huh, She's like, I have it, you know, so that was yeah. one of her major complaints that we were talking and then completely forgot, forgot about, about it. About so it. sometimes it's good to write down some of those things that are bothering mm-hmm. you so that you have something to jog your memory yes. to see if what you're doing is working because you might assume it's not when it actually is really. And, um, you know, sometimes I encourage people like pain, for instance, to rate it on a scale because maybe there's a gradual improvement that you're not necessarily going to recognize unless you are tracking it and can say, oh, a month ago it was a seven and now I'm a two. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. Helping clients overcome the damage done by the COVID virus, it takes time. I find clients who develop this understanding of the value of eating real food do better They are not on a diet to lose weight, but they are on a diet to regain their health. And we don't even really use the word diet anymore. We just Mm -hmm. say, this is Mm -hmm. your food plan to regain your health. Only because it has such a negative connotation, right? Diets really do in some people um, just bring back terrible memories of restriction. So food plan to regain their health. These clients understand that in order to overcome their long haul symptoms, it is necessary for them to be more selective in their food choices. My job as a dietitian is to help you choose the foods that are packed with nutrients. My clients know that to support their energy or those mitochondria, they need to eat foods that supply zinc, selenium, magnesium, calcium, the B vitamins, vitamin A, vitamin C, and iron. It is no longer a diet. It is eating to heal after the effects of COVID. Clients 
become in charge of their own healing process when they're doing this. So they feel an, a, a, a feeling of empowerment yeah. that they have more control rather than it's out of their control. Yes. Great point. And, you know, frankly, today, nutrition, it's a very complex science. Back in my great grandmother's time, nutrition was simple. People knew how to eat to support their metabolism. I mean, they really didn't have other choices. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so they started their day with animal proteins so they'd have their energy for hard work. And I like to help clients understand the role protein plays in our healing and in our energy. And during a healing process, your protein needs are actually higher too. And so that is something to keep in mind. Are you eating two to three eggs for breakfast or maybe a steak salad for lunch, grilled salmon for dinner? Uh, really, It's really important to focus on getting that protein at your meals at least. Mm -hmm. It's funny, I've got a by just accident the other day, I was in a hurry. I've had a really busy couple of weeks and I was putting together my food for work before I was going out the door. Usually I do a better job of planning <laughs> and realized I had no protein options. Mm. I didn't have anything. So I basically went to work with a lot of veggies, a fair amount of like good fat sources. And I just kept commenting to my coworker, I am starving. I am <laughs> eating all the time. I brought plenty of food. I was like, yeah. it's fine. We'd get through it a day. Like yeah. what one day is not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but I kept laughing because I was like, all I want to do is eat today. So it's so good for your immune system, but it is mm -hmm. great for satiety yeah. too. And just giving you that feeling of, of, of being done when you're finished eating, you know? So, yeah. um, so lesson learned continue to be prepared. <laughs> you know, sometimes we need those little reminders. That's right. <laughs> and protein is important for our bodies because protein is a wonderful source of B vitamins. And these B vitamins are import, important, in in, <laughs> important in converting our food into energy. We need this energy for mental and physical um, energy, I guess. Protein helps us maintain strong muscles. I think we all know that, you yep. know, protein and muscles, but it's great for good moods. It supports our metabolism and it's also vital to supporting our immune system. And while vegetables, they supply us with a variety of different nutrients, such as vitamin C, potassium, fiber, calcium, folate. I mean, again, the list goes on and on. Yes. Lots of veggies are so important. And natural beneficial fats are critical for healing. Our cell membranes need these healing fats to allow nutrients from food to get into the cell to support energy and to reduce inflammation. Now, a good nutrition treatment plan for long haulers should include a nutrient-supportive real food eating plan, a systemic rebalancing approach to healing the digestive system, in an anti-inflammatory plan to address lung, heart, nervous system damage. And we recognize the very best treatment plan starts with nutrition. And often it does take time for changes to occur, but there are no risks to eating whole real foods except good health. Our goal at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is to help each and every person experience better health through eating real food. It's a simple but powerful message. 
Eating real food is life-changing. Thank you for joining us today and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.